Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. For our scripture reading this morning, it's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came to his disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I can tell it's a different Sunday when you're ready before I am. That was weird. We woke up this morning, and my wife usually gets up around 4.30 or so, and this morning was not that morning. We stayed up a little later last night, and then she said the most perfect phrase about the switch spring forward when it comes to the time that I've ever heard. She said, it feels like there's a house on top of me. (laughs) And I said, yes. Well, I didn't say it that way. I went, which was my, my soul agreeing with her. And so I know for a lot of you it feels that way, which is why you were talking to people and then you thought, I don't really want to talk to you anymore. I'm, just, I'm kind of a little too tired. So if you have to leave to get coffee or whatever, if you've never tried coffee, that's why coffee was created for moments like this. Um, I'm going to pray for us because um, I'm excited about this, but I also want to make sure it's from the Lord. So it's always good through the entire process for not only me to pray, but for you to pray that we would hear what the Lord wants us to hear. Father, we pause before you and ask that you would be the one that speaks. So give us ears to hear. We ask this in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. So I have a confession to make. I think I should probably do this more often. Confessions of a pastor. So we are going through this series, Invest and Invite, and in this series, uh, it came from a friend of mine who we try to go through the same series together, and I have another pastor friend that we connect and, and go through it, and he said he wanted to do this before Easter, and he wanted to do it because he said, we just don't know what we're doing, and so we just don't do anything. And when it comes to evangelism, I'm not a fan. There, I said it. I said it out loud. You heard it. The pastor said he's not a fan of evangelism. When I say that, there's a reason why I say that. And evangelism, that word means something different to me. And I think it comes from scars. I didn't grow up in church. I wasn't a Christian. I don't have, as shared last week, and he has a lot different background than I have. Uh, his father was a, a worldwide traveling evangelist to some degree. Uh, my dad was a computer programmer. My mom was a cocktail waitress, a uh, single parent. And so we moved around a lot. And this is kind of where my scars come from. We went, I, I can't even, we moved so often and went to so many different schools that I can't even remember what grade I was in 
when I went to this particular school and this experience happened. But I know it was somewhere at the late elementary beginning of teens, and it was a new school, and so as the day was going, then lunch came. When you're the new kid, you ain't going out to the lunch tables. That is dangerous. That is scary. It's uncomfortable. You don't want to go to the cafeteria, so you stay in the safe place until things become safer outside. And so I stayed inside the teacher's classroom. And it was a, I remember going, wow, this is one of the nicer schools I've been to. Really nice tables, chairs. They had a stereo in there, a record player. You'll hear what those are later. And so it was all laid out and beautiful, but the teacher bailed. She took off, and so it was just me. Well, that's kind of safe, except this other kid. And the kid, I noticed, never left his chair the entire day. We didn't have recess. I don't know why. I don't, can't remember the details of that. But he was there the entire time and didn't leave. And so it was just me and this guy. And I was just his audience. And so he started talking to me about faith. But he didn't talk about faith. He talked about the devil and demons. And this is how he did it. He started sharing with me about music. He said, so you know about backmasking, right? No. So he starts talking about Led Zeppelin. I'm like, I love Led Zeppelin. He starts talking about the Beatles. I love the Beatles. Yeah, they're evil. What? And he went through this whole list of bands that I thought was great music, but they're all evil devil worshipers. And the way he shared it with me is he's, he's and, and I'm doing no talking here. There was no conversation. It was him monologuing and me just sitting there. So he's sharing this experience. He's sharing this whole uh, detailed way in which they take the records and if you play them backwards with the needle still on it, there'll be a secret message there. And he went through all the messages. I don't know what they were. The point was, this guy was freaking me out. I didn't know him. I don't know his name today. I didn't know his name then. And I was looking for an escape, but there was nowhere to go. There was no teacher to save me. Hey, leave him alone. He's the new kid. Nobody to protect me. He didn't know my name. So it was very clear from that experience that he and I were not going to be talking again anytime soon. I found out where he was sitting, and I made sure I was sitting somewhere else. If he invited me to go anywhere, I would not go there. If he said, hey, we've got this great youth group, I'd go, <laughs> and there's no way I would be a part of that because this guy was unsafe. That's my experience with evangelism. That's how one of the ways it started out for me. So it felt like I was the nail and he was the hammer. And he just went, oh, look, there's a nail. He doesn't even know who I am. We're stuck together. Wa-bam, wa-bam. That's what it felt like to me. And so when someone like me feels that way, we think that other people may experience the same thing. And so we look at the world outside for many of us and we think, I don't want to do that. And we also think that the world out there, and what I mean by the world out there is the people that aren't followers of Christ. We think that they view us the same way. Like we're going to be sitting there looking for our opportunity to get our message in. And so we don't do anything. We sometimes look at this, um, this experience that we've had, and we want to share it, but it's just too difficult. Like how do you do it? 
Like it's so much easier to invite someone and say, you know what, you want to go get a beer? Than it is to invite them to church. Hey, are you going to the Dodger game? I was going to go to that. Like there's a concert I'm considering going to tonight. It would be easier sometimes in my head to invite them to that concert, my neighbors or the people I'm friends with, to invite them to that than to invite them to come here. Why is that? Because it's in my head. But it's also because there's a mistake that we make. There's a mistake that that kid made. Now, he's a kid. He, he was good-intentioned. He's not a bad person, but it was the wrong approach. So how do we do this? Because it doesn't matter what we feel about it. Christ himself was very passionate about this reality that we needed to be sharing this good news. That's why he came. Oh, it's not even, oh, that's because of the background. Can you ditch the background for me? Thanks. So Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So Jesus came for that purpose. But then we think of our experiences, we know of other people's experiences, and we say, well, we don't want to hurt people. But we know that Jesus came to set them free. So how was this done? How did Jesus do this? So Jesus, when he spoke about why he came, he said, look, who needs a doctor? The healthy or the sick? I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders, an invitation to a changed life, changed inside and out. So how do you do this? How is this done? We're going to look at Jesus, but there's a secret word in here that I want us to look at. In this passage, and I'm not going to give it away right away, it's in there, but this is the key that I think unlocks what does it look like for us to share the gospel? Where do we start? Where's the first step? This isn't the only way, but it is the first step. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard. That's what they said about Jesus. This guy eats too much and he drinks. Did they really know him? No, but he, they knew that he hung out with the gluttons and they knew that he hung out with the drunks and he knew that he hang out, hung out with tax collectors and says, it actually says he was a friend of these tax collectors. And back then, as we know, that was not a uh, esteemed position. And then just to lump into everybody else. And you hung out with all the other people that were doing the wrong things. So you must be doing the wrong thing. But there's a key word in there that I think is the first step for us. Because we know in our hearts that we want to share this good news. And then from the church, we hear terms like this. We hear terms such as reach people for Christ or lead them to Christ. Uh, I know of a young couple. They came to faith. And they were so excited about what was going on in their life that they were looking for opportunities to share with their family. So they had a Christmas time. They got together. You might have experienced this on one end or the other. And you, so you're like, well, I'm a Christian now. Now I've got to go reach someone for Christ. I've got to lead them to Christ. And it did not go well. In fact, it got to the point where um, this, they were newly married, and this family was around them, and they just started yelling at the young couple. And then people started leaving the room. I don't know how they delivered the message, 
but no one there wanted to hear it. So we know what that feels like, but yet Jesus was able to do it. How did he do it? Here's the first step. The first step is to realize, do you have something to share? Do you have something life-changing to share? And I want to give an example of what I mean by that. So I have a, uh, I, I got that autoimmune disease in two, the end of 2014, like that. August 19th was the day I was like, wait, what's going on? And it just took over my body. And so we're doing all the research and the blood tests, and it took a long time, and they finally diagnosed me. And when they diagnosed me, some friends were, oh, I know some people. And one of the people that had actually beat this, had victory over this autoimmune disease was one of my old um, Young Life kids, one of my old surf team kids. I knew their family. And so um, I started texting with this person, I started reaching out to them. And I, they wouldn't get back to me. I was like, what's going on here? And so some other friends were trying to communicate, and I ended up having some other friends that also struggled with this disease. But they wouldn't share with me what, how they had victory over this disease. And it was so frustrating to me. I think, wait, you have this. You know what it's like. You've made it through this. Why would you not share this? I'm actually inviting you to. The first people that we need to share with are our friends. That's the key word. That's the key thing that I want us to not miss. It says that he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. The way that Jesus did this, he started with the people that he knew. His friends. The people he was spending time with. When we think of sharing this good news, we automatically think I've got to, there's, there's a bunch of houses across the street. I should probably go knock on those doors. But then all of us think, I don't want to go knock on their doors. I know what it's like when the solar people come and keep trying over and over again to get me put solar panels up. They have a plan, an agenda. They don't care about me. I don't know any of the people that live on that street. And if I knock on their door, they're like, what are you doing here and who are you? It, it's just not natural. It doesn't make sense. That doesn't mean the only way is to reach out to friends, but it is the first step. This statement, invest and invite, like anything good, we stole it. We've, we stole it years ago. We've been using it for years, trying to communicate to us as a church. How do we share this good news? How do we evangelize? By investing and inviting. But investing means the people you've already invested in. You have your hands full with those around you that you love. Continue to pour into their lives, and then you invite them into something somehow. It may be a conversation. It needs to be something appropriate to where they're at and where your friendship is at. And why do we do that? Because something has happened in our life. Now, if you're new, because we're a church where people can go to church, right? So if you're here, you're like, I don't want to start doing this, then don't do it. You do it because something is going on inside of you. You've I had a friend that called me, well, actually, his wife texted my wife and said, I think my husband has the autoimmune disease that Boog had. What do you think I did? Of course, you can't call, right? It's like knocking on someone's door. They don't want you to do that. They want you to text. Let them know you're coming. And so I texted. I said, hey, 
if you need anything, I'm here. Nothing for a week. But then yesterday, we were on the phone talking. I wanted to share with him. I didn't want him to make the mistakes I made. I wanted him to know the opportunities that were out there. I wanted to give him that opportunity. That word is so key. An invitation is really just given an opportunity. It is not our job to make anyone do anything. But it is our job, if we know what victory is, if we know what joy is, if we know what the peace of Christ is, it is our responsibility to share that with those closest to us in a way that is appropriate. Like, I just found this uh, restaurant on um, El Camino Real. Do you not think I'm telling my friends about it? Of course I am. Kirsten sent me a text saying, have you heard this guy? Have you heard his music? She sent it to me, Ron Artis II. It's taken me a long time to remember that guy's name. None of you know who he is, do you? I listened to his album all day yesterday. I listened to it the entire day, and then I picked up my guitar, and I started trying to play his songs. Why would I want other people to hear that? Because I got joy from that, so I want to share that. In the same way, you don't have a responsibility to share the good news if you don't know what the good news is. If it's not good, to you, good news to you, you're free. But for those of us that know just a little bit of peace, have a mustard seed of joy, then start with your friends. Why would you keep that back from them? right? I wouldn't keep the music back. I wouldn't keep the restaurant back. And I definitely wouldn't not share these opportunities for healing if someone was sick. That's all this is. It's just being a friend to others. That's the first step. Not the only step, but it is the first step. So Jesus, he had the great commission. And when we hear this great commission, we think we know what it means. In fact, I thought in college they said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this, so you need to go do it. I was a new believer. I was bold. I was arrogant. I'm like, I don't really want to do this, but sure, let's do it. And I just started boldly going out to people I did not know and sharing this because I thought that's what we were supposed to do. But when Jesus shares this with his disciples after he's risen from the dead, by the way, Jesus does not call this the Great Commission. We call it the Great Commission. But Jesus said, therefore, go. And so when you think of that word go, you think of going from one area to another, right? Don't stay where you're at. Change it up and go. But in the grammar, in the tense, that word go should be translated going, while you are going. In the flow of life, while you eat, while you drink, while you're with your friends, while you're going to work, while you're going to school, when you get sick, when you're, go when you're going to the concert down at, to see this Ron Artis II, when you're going down to the Belly Up in Solano Beach tonight at 8 o'clock, as you are going through the flow of life, as you are going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In the flow of life. And the disciples obviously understood this because nobody left Jerusalem then. Jesus shared it with them. They heard it. They had time to have it broken down for them. And then he rose and they stayed in Jerusalem. And while they were going, they shared this good news with those that were closest to them. 
That's the starting point, right? Telling their families, telling their friends, but in a way that they lived it out, but they, they, they had the equity already. Does that make sense? If you show up at my door and try to sell me this magical pen, I don't know you. Why are you trying, what is your agenda? But these disciples were in their community with the people they had grown up with. People are gonna see the difference in their life. They're gonna start asking questions. Why in the world would you be hanging out with this Jesus guy? The church here is not a big fan of his. He's saying he's the Messiah. You're, what brought you to this place? Most of the questions probably came to them. While you are going, make disciples. As you go. And that key word, I think, should stick in our heads over and over again. He was a friend. That is the starting point. So when we talk about what does it mean to invest and invite, as we go through the series leading up to Easter, it starts with those that are around you. I mean, who was, when you think about it, who was the last person that you invited to anything, to a conversation? What was the last friend that you reached out to? Now, obviously, when you think of those friends, it has to be someone close to you, right? Someone that knows you and knows your heart, knowing you don't have to get knowing the reason that you would share this with them is because you care for them. And a lot of times, sharing means not holding back. It doesn't mean you have to go, okay, let's start talking about Jesus. Most people aren't gonna wanna have that conversation. But some of us hold back our world. We keep it a secret. Just be open about your life and who you are. The questions will probably come to you. And here's the other thing that we'll talk about in the next couple weeks. You don't have to have all the answers. You know that, right? Because if you try to pretend you have all the answers, you're just gonna mess it up. Just share what you've experienced. When I talked with my friend yesterday about this autoimmune disease, I didn't talk out of my world. I'm not a doctor. All I can share with him is what I experienced. The things I did that didn't help, the people that didn't help, and the things that did help, and the people that did help and the other people I know that went through similar things that took a different approach, the people that maybe had a diet. The diet thing didn't work for me at all. So I said, hey, it didn't work for me, but hey, what about that? Because I care for him. It's not like, hey, you gotta do it the way I'm doing it. This is the way it works. No, guys, no. This are, these are your opportunities for life. This is what I've seen. Now, I don't know if he's gonna take it or not. It's not my job to take him there to health. I don't know how to do that. In the same way, I don't know how to lead someone to Christ. Does that make sense? I know it sounds weird coming from a pastor, but I don't. It's his job. It's God's job. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is another way to say you are the jar of clay that holds this treasure. You hold this treasure, but you're not the treasure. And you just carry it around, and when people are close to you, they're gonna get that aroma, they're gonna get that smell, and they might wanna have a drink of it. But you're not supposed to produce this. You're not supposed to start pouring it down their throat. No, you gotta have this. It's not gonna work. They will turn and walk away from you. Approach people in the way that you'd wanna be approached. But approach them, pray for them. We never have an excuse to not share this good news. So how do we do this? As a church, we try to wrestle with how we're going to do this. I like the way that Paul said it. He said, because we loved you so much, 
we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. It starts because of love. And what I mean by love is affection, by care. That's the starting point with people. There is a place to go where you don't know people. There is an appropriate time for that. I had someone uh, text me this week and say, you don't know this, but when the first time I ever heard the good news of Jesus, you were at someone's house and you were sharing with a bunch of teens and I was there. I didn't know this girl, we had no friendship, but she felt safe with someone else that she trusted that invited her and by me sharing these words, she said that was the first time I heard the gospel. The word gospel means the good news. Evangelism, that word evangelism means good newsism, good newsism, which means sharing good news. That's what evangelism means. She said, because you shared that, that was the first time I heard it. But I wasn't the only person involved in that process in her life. And you won't be the only person involved in someone else's life if they make that decision to hand their life over to the Savior, the one who saves. We all play a small part. She had her friends. She had her brother. Her brother went away to college. He came to faith. Then she had her girlfriends that also had an impact in her life. It was a process. All of these people coming around her that loved her, and they gave not only the gospel, but their very lives. And this person I became closer friends later and actually, I started referring people to her because I knew she could bring life to them, not as a, an official pastor, but in what she does, she brings life to people. And so many people played a part in that process. We, we have all of these attempts that we make here at Branches to create these opportunities where you can invite someone in an environment that is appropriate. For example, we have uh, Easter. So many people go to Easter services that will never go to church at any other time. Is our goal to get them into a church? No, but we want them to have the opportunity to hear this good news. And I heard a story once from a friend, and I've heard this story actually several times from several different people where neighbors would later say, why didn't you invite me? Because they didn't have a place to go. It's almost like Thanksgiving, right? It's a national holiday. Easter is a national holiday. Everyone goes. Most people don't even know why they're going. It's like, what you have to do? Why do we eat turkey on Thanksgiving? Really? I'm not a huge fan of turkey, but it's what we do. And a lot of people go to Easter services. But sometimes they'll wonder friendship-wise, why didn't you invite me to come with you? I didn't have anywhere to go. Yet if it was Thanksgiving and you, you knew your neighbor had nowhere to go, you'd probably invite him over. Or your friend from work. Or your friend from school. Because that's just what you do, right? So... Some of you are visiting from other churches. Why would you not invite them to your church for Easter? They can say no, it's okay, but just invite them. Just go, hey, I don't know if you're going anywhere for Easter, but we'd love to have you come with us. That shouldn't be that hard to do. Don't take it personal if they say no. Don't take it personal if they say yes, and then they don't show up. We just invite. We just give those opportunities. Good Friday. I mean, it's a, it's a smaller, more intimate uh, space, the lighting is down low, people might not know they're there, invite them, go, hey, I'm going to this experience, if you want to come, love to have you come. Um, since we've moved here at Shorecliffs, we thought, we've got all these people that live in the neighborhood, all these 
friends and some, I've run into people going, where are you guys again? Because I knew you moved and I want to go. And so even though it's, Branches is not just starting, we said let's, it's like if the restaurant moves from one place to another, you have a soft opening because you don't know what you're doing, right? You thought you knew how to prepare the drinks. You know what I'm talking about, Patrick, right? Patrick used to open up restaurants. You don't just open it up and say, grand opening, because then you mess it up and nobody wants to come around. We didn't know how the lighting worked. We didn't know how the sound worked. We didn't know how to do the kids' rooms. We didn't know where to put signs. We didn't know what we were doing. So we saved it for now, and we said, what would we want to do? So that whatever we would want to experience, if we were coming, that's what we planned. So we have, like, a shaved ice day. I can't remember who's coming, but someone, I think we have an, I think we have an ice, is it shaved ice or ice cream truck? I thought it was an ice cream truck. But it says there's shaved ice, so it's probably shaved ice. Um, uh, it's right afterwards, so you're not, like, stuck. It's like, hey, come, and then we're going to have shave ice. And then on, I've always wanted to do this, and sometimes it's not a wise thing to do, but we just had to do it. Wouldn't it be awesome to have the In-N-Out truck? Who doesn't like In-N-Out, except for you vegans? But you could probably have the fries or whatever else. But we have, I mean, who doesn't want In-N-Out, right? So the In-N-Out truck will be here on the 15th. Why? So you can just say to one, hey, you want some free In-N-Out? I've had people say those type of things. Hey, this band's playing. They don't even tell them it's a church. Hey, this band's playing. Hey, this lady, she has this amazing art. I know you're into art. You want to come see it? It's like they're tricking them. <laughs> Look, if it's someone you're close with, you can do that. You can laugh about it afterwards. <laughs> but think first, who are your friends? Who are those people you care about? I have a, a friend from Branches that called me a few weeks ago. And he does this every once in a while. He's awesome this way. He goes, okay, we're doing this. I go, what are we doing? He said, I've got these friends that are believers, but I also have these, a lot of people that aren't. In fact, most of the people I roll with, they're not believers. And I just want them to, to have this opportunity, but I don't know how to do it, and I don't want to just bring them to church. It doesn't fit. Sometimes it just doesn't fit. You gotta be aware of that. You gotta know your friends. He said, I want to somehow get us together and have someone come and share and then make it like a men's group thing where it's during the week and I'll provide all the meat and I'll grill it up and it's a bunch of dudes that show up and we just talk about this faith. And so the more we, I kept asking him questions and, and we were trying to figure things out, I said, you know what, don't make this a church thing. It sounds like what you want to do is just get together your friends and just talk about these things. So just reach out to your friends. I'll be there, but why do you need me to share? They want to hear from you. I'm just the weirdo. And he started mentioning other weirdos he wanted to come and share for him. And I said, man, just, this is your thing. Reach out to your friends. Just share what you know and we'll bring up questions. There's ways we can do this. But he's looking for an excuse to bring people together. Um, Ash invited me to this amazing, I've heard so many great stories um, of these, I, what, they're called engage, engagement times, I don't know what the official name is, it doesn't matter, right, but you know what it means, he's bringing friends there, and saying, hey, I've got this guy, I've got this lady, they've had this amazing experience, love you to come over to our house and just hear from them. And it's a mellow invitation, hey, if you want to come, I'd look, and when I was talking with him, I'm like, oh, he really likes me. It didn't seem like he was trying to get me to, he was really sharing it with me. In fact, I think he was probably hesitant. Like, oh, you probably don't want anything to do. And you're like, why do you bother me? You're trying to get me to support you. He said, I could tell from underneath. He's like, no, I just 
like this guy and I like you and I'd love to get you guys in the same place. Because that's what friends do. We can all do that, right? I mean, I've already invited all of you to the concert down at the belly up. You didn't even know it was happening because it's something that's good. I want to share that good newsism with you. But there's nothing more good news than Jesus. If you've experienced this in any sense, you know what I'm talking about. Is that the dog choking or is that somebody choking? Because we need to get somebody on that. So let me close with this because I shared about the, the guy in the beginning. But I had a friend named Brent Strong. And I was a uh, junior in high school, not doing anything faith-wise at all. I mean, I'd carried that experience and several others like that all the way through to being 16. And Brent, I used to go over to his house. We had, I can't remember what classes we had together. We are so different as people. But there were things that we kind of shared in common, and we just found ways. He was really into rap music, white as white could get, and yet he loved rap music, loved Michael Jackson, tried to learn how to dance like him, loved to play basketball. Um, and I'd go over to his house, Mr. Strong, I'd hang out with him. His brother Brad was in college, so as a high school kid, oh, we'd look up at these college students, he'd bring his friends over, they would play music, and uh, make all this unique music, and I was not a musician at all at that time, and I thought it was really, inter I just loved being around their family. And so I think they just didn't have enough people to play basketball at youth group, so he invited me. I don't think he had any great evangelism plan whatsoever. He just invited me into his life. I don't think he had a grand plan. I know the youth pastor in the church, his parents didn't say, hey, you know what, Bug keeps coming over, you should probably invite him on over. He didn't say anything I think he really just needed someone else to play basketball because they wanted to play five on five and they didn't have enough people. And so he goes, I'll even pick you up, man. And so he picked me up and I got there and they tricked me into a Bible study at halftime. But it didn't feel like being tricked because it was, Brent honestly was just invited. I knew his heart. I knew he cared about me. He was a church kid. His dad taught at a Christian university. But he was inviting me because he was my friend because he cared for me. And so I just kept coming. And I kept hearing this good news. And things started to change. I changed. And I wanted to know more. And I think Brent was kind of freaked out, like, oh, what's going on? And so what ended up happening was this youth group, was probably about like 12, maybe 12 people, probably 12 of the most awkward, socially awkward people you could imagine. And I was, my, something was grabbing my heart. God was grabbing my heart. So I'd go back to school to, I was one of those floater kids. I was a surfer, but I was at a school where nobody surfed. And so I talked to my baseball friends and my football friends and the ASB friends. And I go, man, you got to come. I was just out there. I had, I didn't know you could get points by bringing, bringing people to Christ. It was just, no, this is, this is good, man. I, you should come. I remember inviting, the group was finally at like 60, 70 people, and none of us really knew why we were there. But something was happening. God was moving. And people would invite other people, not because they stood up front and said, you know, you need to invite people. Because we wanted our friends to experience what we were experiencing. The music wasn't good. The 
teaching wasn't good, but God was good. And that experience changed my life and the life of others. The first step for us is while we are going to be friends, and a friend would share good news, wouldn't they? That's all we're asking. Find your voice, find your way to share this good news. It, it could be in a myriad of different ways. It could be from conversations, it could be prayer, it could be inviting them into your lives. But we've got to do something. We have, you know what you have, share it. Father, show us what it looks like in our lives, with our experience, with our life to share this good news. What does that look like? Father, I ask that you would free us up from our fears, from our insecurities, from our scars. Above all, Lord, if you draw us near to you, then we know something will happen. Help us to get over ourselves, to climb over ourselves and find ways to give people the opportunity to know who you are. As I sit here praying, I think of your reckless love for me. I want them to know that, Lord. But you are the one that draws people to you. So if you can use us, teach us, show us, move us. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you take a seat just for a second? Get comfortable. Boog, uh, Boog started off this morning by talking about investing and inviting and that he is not a, an evangelist. Well, I beg to differ. <laughs> Look at all of us here in this room. He may not be a Billy Graham or a Paul Eshelman for that, but um, he does have something to share. Each one of us have something to share. Um, and you take a look at our sphere of influence um, be it here or be it in our neighborhood or be it in our family, but we all have something to share. So we're encouraged to uh, share our experiences and through that develop friendships, make that investment. So what I'd like to do this morning is just um, let you guys know, the men know, that on Monday mornings at 6.30, a group of us meet every Monday morning at the Harbor House in Dana Point. And I'd like to extend an invitation to the men that would like to join us to join us. There's um, typically between four and eight guys that show up every Monday morning at 6.30, and we have a chance to invest in each other's lives. It's not real structured, but nonetheless, we've built some tremendous relationships. And through that, those relationships continue to build and to grow uh, throughout the community. So for those of you that want to wake up early and join us, please do. But just know that we're all called to develop friendships and to invest those friendships in others. As I close, I'd uh, just like to remind you that we could uh, always use help cleaning up at upstairs in the, in the uh, children's area and certainly here and getting ready to load the trailer. So let me pray for us out of here. Father, we pause just to thank you for this morning. Thank you for the message and thank you for the encouragement uh, for me especially to know that we have a sphere of influence and that that influence can go locally to globally. 
Be with each one here this morning, Lord, and give them a blessed day in Jesus' name. Amen.